Let's pray and ask God to bless His Word. Lord, just bless this Word to us today. In Jesus, Jesus' name. Amen. So we're to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is probably my favorite gospel. It's in chapter 6. Want to put up the slide, boss, please? 6, verse 9 to 12. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And, there, and when they had eaten their fill, he told disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with fragments from the, the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Amen. <clears throat> I want to start off saying this before I really get into it. Your environment is very key to your miracle. Often we think the miracles just take place. But sometimes environments are very key to seeing a miracle take place. Bad environments often restrict the miracles of God. Where sometimes we have to create something in order for God to do something profound. And everybody's looking for breakthroughs. People are looking for miracles. But often we are waiting on God to do it yet we are not preparing for the miracle to come. And sometimes we don't allow our environment to be prepared for the miracle that we need. And so I want to talk to you this morning about creating an environment to see the supernatural. Because often we don't see the supernatural because of the environment we set and the tone we set and the culture we live in. And therefore we wonder why we don't see the supernatural take place. I want to begin and say this, that the kingdom of God has, a, has its own culture. And Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. And then he says, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. Now, he wasn't talking about eternity. He was talking about the naturalization of the kingdom of God being your everyday occurrence. And so therefore, sometimes we get saved, we get born again, but we still have our own culture. We still have our own mindset. And therefore, we create an environment according to the culture that we are representing. Maybe it's African, Irish, Indian, whatever it may be. We create that culture. But yet God, in his, in his wisdom, wants us to create kingdom culture. Because kingdom culture breeds kingdom environments, which sets the tone for the supernatural. But often we don't see that because we don't set the tone. We don't allow the environment of the kingdom of God to be our everyday culture. And therefore, we wonder why are miracles not taking place. Now, it's interesting in John chapter 6, in this profound miracle, all the gospels actually record it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this miracle is actually profound. 
profound in the fact that God wanted us to understand something of the supernatural miracles of God. Now what we have to understand, the first thing is this, there were more than 5,000 there that day. Theologians, commentaries tell us there was probably between 15 and 20,000 people, which is a lot of people. 20,000 people is a lot of people. And therefore, Jesus is, is beginning to set the culture and begin to perform something to show the people that his environment that he came from will be executed according to what he sees. So therefore, Jesus is in this environment. Now, let's get the environment right. The environment is an environment of 20,000 people who are pretty hungry, who have been with him for days. And now nowhere, Peter, James, and John come to Jesus, said the people are hungry. What shall we do? Now, let's just take that for a moment. At that point, Peter, James, and John had seen many miracles. But at that point, they didn't fully understand the supernatural. It wasn't until two years later when they entered the book of Acts that they began to understand the supernatural and how to perform in the supernatural and how to execute the supernatural and how to allow the breakthrough to come. Now, we got a prophetic word this year, direct the breakthrough. So, in other words, God needs to do something supernatural in order for the breakthrough to come. But sometimes we've got to do something in order for the breakthrough to actually take place. And therefore, in this situation, Peter, James, and John, and the rest of them are panicking because they have no food. They have nothing to give these, these hungry people. And out of nowhere, there's a small boy that actually stands out to me as a child of the kingdom of God. He comes that day. He comes with something to eat. What a wise child. He comes knowing that somewhere along that journey, he will get hungry. And therefore, he has brought with him a packed lunch. Because I would say a packed lunch because it was only five loaves and two fishes. So maybe he came from a family of five. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But he came, he came actually with something in order for something to take place. Let me just say, it's my first point. You always have to bring something in order for the miracle to take place. You've always got to be able to execute something into the supernatural in order for the supernatural to become the natural in your world. And therefore, so often, we don't come prepared. We don't come with something in order to receive something. We often come hoping that something will show up, never being prepared for something to take place. And so this child, he, he's, he's different from the 20,000. And with 20,000 people, he stands up with something in his hand. Now, here's the, here's the most incredible thing is about this child is this child brings something to Jesus. He could have sat there and said, I've only got five loaves and two fishes. But yet, in his small faith, he actually walks forward and gives the very packed lunch that he had. He hands it to Jesus, knowing in faith that God was about to perform something out of something that he brought. Now, you've got to get this. God was about to perform something out of something that that child brought that day. Why is it that he was there among the 20,000? Jesus could have just snapped his fingers, could have just breathed life and did something extraordinary and something would have occurred because there's a principle in this story. That's why the four Gospels actually record it very carefully.
We often are wanting God to perform when we don't bring something to the table. And so this child, he walks up. Now let's just take, let's go into the story. Imagine a child walking in front of all our 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. If we were all in the crowd, we would all probably laugh. We would all probably say to ourselves, that's a really stupid thing to do. Yet in the wisdom of God and God knowing that this would be written in the Gospels, he knew that this child represented something that we have to understand. He came with something in order for something to take place. Let me just say this. Generosity is in the heart of God. And God's kingdom is a kingdom of generosity. And generosity breeds generosity. And generosity often changes the environment and the culture of people. That child could have sat in the back and had his lunch on his own. He could have said, I'm going to sneak in off in the background and I'm going to enjoy my little dinner while every one of these people are starving. See, in the child's heart, he brought something because in the heart of the child was the essence of generosity. And so he walks up generously to give in order to bless. Now, we've, I've heard this text preached on millions of times about being broken, being shattered, being crumbled and all that stuff. I'm saying it from a different angle today. He didn't come broken. That child didn't come broken. That child didn't need to break anything because he knew the one that was in front of him was going to break everything and actually perform the miracle with the very thing that he had. This is not about being broken. This is about being generous. If you want to see miracles, you've got to start operating in generosity. Generosity builds, breeds breakthrough. That day, that child was the key to the directive breakthrough. How did that breakthrough come? Through generosity. Now, the Bible says this, that God's kingdom is a kingdom of abundance. There is no lack in heaven. There is no lack in heaven at all. The Bible tells us that God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We quote these verses, we sing these songs, but often we don't execute what he says. And as that child steps up with his heart, he generously gives to the one who's the most generous person on the earth and has ever walked on the earth. He stands before Christ. He stands before the author of life. He stands with the one that will bless all of those people. The disciples are running scattered all over the place, not knowing what to do. But Jesus, in his full wisdom, knew that there was a child within the 20,000 he knew a child would walk forward that day. He knew what was in that child's heart. And therefore, he executes and performs a generous miracle because of the generosity of the child. Most children wouldn't give you a lollipop. 
If that was any other child with the five with the five loaves to which they would actually go hiding. They would probably go off somewhere else and eat the food all alone because naturally in the, in the heart of a child is to take it for themselves. But yet within the heart of this child was to give to Jesus, knowing as he gave to Christ through his own generosity, God would then begin to perform a greater, generous, actually incredible miracle. Generosity is the key to directive breakthrough. Often we are afraid to give generously because we're afraid that we will walk in lack. We're afraid that if we give generously, we won't have enough for ourselves. When in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, take stock. This is what he says. He says it very clearly. He says, stop and look at the lily of the field and the bird of the air. How much more will I give unto you? But for some reason, we are not seeing the supernatural provision of God because we are not allowing ourselves to be released generously. And therefore, what happens, it inhabits, it limits us, it restricts us from breakthrough. I think it was, I heard last week in the prayer reading, I think it was Magdalena said, if you started off slow in the first six months, Maybe the next six months is the six months of incredible breakthroughs. What I want to share with you this morning from a prophetic point of view is this. If you want to see real directive breakthroughs, maybe in the next six months become the most generous person that you've ever been to yourself and to others. See, Jesus was generous. And when you stop and read this story, this story is about generosity. This is not about just provision. This is about generosity. Do you know why I know that? Because if it was just about provision, there would have been nothing left over. Are you with me? The fact that there's 12 baskets left over shows me the heart of God is a God of generosity. He didn't just provide the need. He was actually went above the need. There was 12 baskets left out of 20,000 people. Now, if you would understand maths or any, or any good at equations, that's a pretty great leftover after feeding 20,000 people. And it all began. Now, listen, you've got to get this second point. It all began... By the choice of a child. The first point was the generosity of the child. The second point was the choice of that child that that child made that day. His choice would actually affect 20,000 people. His choice of generosity would actually bless 20,000 people. Friend, I want to encourage you, if you want to wreck the breakthrough in the next six months, stop and choose to be generous to others and allow God to bless you and bring you into that place of your directive breakthrough. Maybe it's a financial breakthrough. Maybe it's a physical breakthrough. Maybe it's a mental breakthrough. Maybe it's a, relationship, a relational breakthrough. I want to tell you this morning, the key to breakthrough is actually to generosity. I have a few amens. He chose that day to walk in faith. He chose that day to give in faith. He chose that day to bless in faith. Now we're all looking for the miracle. We're all wanting the miracle. We're all expecting the miracle. But sometimes we're not bringing something for the miracle to take place. 
God loves when we give. But give generously. He loves it. Bill Johnson says this. I love what Bill Johnson says. He said, I love uh, on my birthday not receiving gifts, but actually giving gifts. He said, I've made this um, tradition that I give to others on my birthday. Now, I don't want to start at that position yet. I like to receive birthday gifts, as everyone knows in the room. But imagine turning your mindset rather than receiving to give. That your heart is to give to others. Your heart is to bless others. Your heart is to be generous towards each other. Imagine the culture that would begin to create. Imagine the environment that you begin to live in. You know, I love the story of Scrooge. I love that whole uh, animation, that uh, Christmas, Christmas Carol. I love the end part. I love the end part. I love when Scrooge realizes after all being taken on three occasions by, by three ghosts. At the end part, I love the end part, when he's walking down the streets of London and he has little Charlie Bob on his shoulder, Tiny Tim, and he's skipping and he's skipping down the road and he's giving away coins, he's buying everybody turkeys and, and he's, but you know what it represents? It represents generosity, this is my third point, brings liberation. Oh, now we're talking, amen. That child brought liberation to a hungry people that day. They were all hungry. They were all feeling a certain way. But when that child walked up, chose to generously give what he had to Jesus, he was not just about to bring generosity to the camp. He was about to bring liberation. You know, when you feed people, they get very happy, especially hungry people. When you're really hungry, take someone out for dinner, they're always very happy. They'll tell you everything. You feed someone food, they'll tell you their whole life. Because everybody loves food. But here's the key. Generosity brings liberation. Generosity brings liberation. Generosity brings breakthrough. Without generosity, there is seldom real liberation. Seldom real liberation. But where there's generosity, it brings liberation, it brings freedom, and ultimately it brings blessing. I remember as a young Christian hearing messages on tithing. I didn't even know what tithing was when I got saved. I remember sitting in a Pentecostal church thinking, what's he talking about? Give your money. I remember saying to Paul, I think it was Paul, what's that all about? 10%? Get up, I don't give him 10% of my wages. I said, and then I remember going to work thinking, I get 120 quid, 10%, I get my mother 30, 10% out of 10% out of 90 is 9 euro. And I was working out all the equations in my head. I was good at maths then. You know what I mean? I was trying to work it all out. And then I heard a message, and you have to give an offering. I said, now do you want more of my money? 10% on an offering. I said, my God, I'll have nothing left of my wages. And I remember Gary Davidson saying this. I remember, never forget, he said, God has allowed to give you 90%. And I remember Gary saying, he said, your 90% actually usually stretched further than 100%. I remember when he said that revelation entered my heart and I said, Lord, whatever I earn is yours. Take it, use it, bless people with it. So giving 10% was easy. An offering was easy. 
I've been giving 10% nearly 30 years. I've been giving an offering for nearly 30 years and a, and, a, and a bit more that. Why? Because actually it's not mine. And actually if I hold on to it, it actually puts me in bondage. But the moment I realize it's not mine, I want to give it away, it brings liberation. The day that child stepped up with the bread and loaves, he was liberated. He walked out blessed. Here's the amazing thing. That child was probably tapped on the head by 20,000 people that day. They were all probably tapping him on the head for the miracle that was performed through his generosity. Miracles often occur through your generosity. Are you with me? But when you hold it, when you bury it, when you put, when you put sand over it, when you're like Scrooge, you're scroungy and you're miserable over your money, <clears throat> you never find liberation. You'll never be blessed. Do you know, last week when we showed the thing in Africa, in Zimbabwe, well, I had eight people come to, to, to sponsor eight children. I think six of those people were, were teenagers. I said, I'll sponsor 30 months. Six of them out of the eight were teenagers. And you know, that thrilled my soul. Because I realized I'm setting the culture for a younger generation. A younger generation. Now, here's what I want to bring you. And I hope I get this right. Now, it's not in the scriptures. His parents must have been generous people. That child had to learn it from somewhere. Generosity, third point, breeds generosity. That child, parents, must have been very generous. But I tell you what, the fact that they gave him a packed lunch that day shows they were generous. First thing. Second thing, he didn't hold it to himself, he gave it away. Generosity breeds generosity. From one generation to another is through your actions. Children don't do what you say. They do what you do. Now let me share this with you. I've been a Christian for 30 years. And God has never, ever let me down. Ever. In 30 years, never. I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. You know, let me share this here. When we got first married, I took over the church. Didn't get a salary for 10 years. Church looked after the house. Didn't get a salary. And I used to tie down my tips and my small wages. Used to tie it. And Shani used to have three envelopes. Tied envelope, offering envelope, and giving envelope. And now my tithes are used to tie 10%. And my offering, and my tithe. Why? Because I wanted my children to understand this is the, these are the principles of God. And that God will always provide for those who are generous. Because generosity breeds generosity. Now let me show you something that will show you the provision of God. Now you've got to get this. As that child generously gives, God 
takes what he gives and generously doesn't give a hundredfold. Rachel probably give you the maths on it. Gives me probably 10,000-fold. Out of five fish, or five loaves, two fish, he feeds 20,000 people. His generous act, the watch, his generous act provides for 20,000 people. Your generous act, my generous act, provides for the multitudes. Because anything given into the hand of God usually goes much further than what was in the hand of a human being. When you put whatever it is in your hand in the hand of God, God usually takes it and makes it much bigger and much better. Even in relationships, often when we stand there and give over the very things that are in our heart and say, Lord, I give it all to you. I believe you'll give me much more than what I have. Often at that point, God will take what you have just given and make it much bigger and much better. Why? Because God sees your heart, sees your willingness to give over towards you. Think of the story of Abraham and Isaac as he walks up the hill. Isaac asks his father, where is the ram? And as he gets to the top of the hill, the Bible says the ram is in the bushes. Why? And the word in, in Greek, in Hebrew there, means God is my provider. In other words, as you generously give, God will generously provide for you. There was, that day was a day of provision. That day was a day of blessing. That day was a day of abundance. Why? That day was a day of multiplication. Why? Because God in his mind has decided I am a God of multiplication. I am a God of abundance. I am a God of blessing. That's in the heart of God. God so loved, he gave the world his son. That's in the heart of God. And I want to encourage you, friend. The next six months, and I really feel this, are very important to us. If you've started slow, that's okay. Some people are slow out the gate. Some people are fast. Often the slow person make, take, makes up time. At the end, they finish faster. The next six months, prophetically, are going to be either incredible for you or you'll end up where you were last year. But I believe that God wants you to experience a generous directive breakthrough. A breakthrough that you've prayed for for years. A breakthrough that you've believed for for years. A miracle that you've believed for for years. I believe in all my heart that July, August, September, October, November, and December are the most important six months of your life. But it all depends on you and me. Let's partner with heaven. Let's believe for supernatural things. But let's become generous. Let's come with what we have and give it to God. Let's realize that it doesn't even belong to us. That it's all God's anyway. Let's step into the realm of faith. Let's step into the realm of belief. Let's step into the realm of the supernatural. And realize that God wants to bless your life. God wants to multiply your life. God wants to see you have the abundance that he has said in his word. But sometimes we've got to release it in order to receive it. Sometimes you've got to let it go 
in order to get something back. But often we hold on, often we hang on, often we grab at the crumbs of the table when there's a, a banquet. You know, friend, I want to say this. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, there will be a banquet. But you know, as Christians, we're all waiting to get there to the banquet. But actually, you can live in the banquet. You don't have to live in misery. You don't have to live in lack. You don't have to live in just holding on to the, to the, the coattails of somebody. You can live in freedom, liberation, and blessing. Today, make a decision to live in generosity. Make a decision to bless others. Make a decision to give to others. Make a decision to be free. People are longing for freedom. People are desiring freedom. I'm telling you the way to get it. Step from your comfort. Step from your prison. Step from your limitations. Step from your restrictions. And say, do you know what? I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless others. I'm going to buy Charlie a cup of coffee. I'm going to buy Denise a handbag. I'm going to buy Denise a whatever. I want to be a blessing. And walk in that world. Walk according to the kingdom culture. Not your own culture. You know, when Jesus stepped up that day as I close, he represented something that no one had ever seen before. He didn't represent the religious man. He didn't re represent religion at all. He represented liberty, freedom, and blessing. You know what? When I read the New Testament years and years ago, when I first got saved, I remember reading and thinking, this man was generous in every way. His life, financially, food, every way. He just gave and gave and gave and gave. And even at the, after the resurrection, he stands in Galilee, prepared a meal for his friends. Again, generous this is my final talk when I get to heaven I'm going to look for that boy and ask him why did you do it why did you do it and I know what he'll say because in the heart of God there's generosity may God bless this word to you Become a generous people, blessing others. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we would become the generous people of God. We pray, Father, that we will bless others, encourage others, and see others liberated. Lord, I pray that this week we'll find ways people, places to bless.
Lord, let your word not just be something we hear on Sunday, but let it be a, a reality on Monday. I thank you, Lord, for your generosity for the last 30 years. Thank you for how you've blessed me all these years. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to bless all my friends in this room. I pray you bless them all in a special, special way. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone says, Amen.